had these questions that the Lord asks, and then the people kind of ask questions in return. We've been looking at these. We've been seeing that the spiritual condition of uh, the children of Israel as they've returned from their captivity in Babylon uh, is not good. They um, are weak, number one, but also they are neglecting very important things that had been issues for them before they went into captivity. And they were, they were kind of going back to these same old things over and over again, neglecting service to the Lord, neglecting all the things that God had called them to do and to be as his people. And we've seen uh, Malachi, or the Lord really through Malachi, calling out uh, the priests, calling out the Levites, you know, the tribe uh, in Israel that from whom the priests come, and, and calling out them for their failures and their failings um, of neglecting the Lord, neglecting his service, uh, of putting away their wives and, and kind of profaning his covenant with them um, and doing all of these things uh, and everything. And now as we look here in uh, chapter 3, verse 8, we see now the Lord deals with the people individually. Um, and many times, you know, I think we as Christians as a church uh, can have a focus too much, I believe, on leaders. Now, leaders are supposed to be godly men, godly women, and are held to a higher standard. We see that in the scriptures, leaders within the church. Um, but we see very clearly throughout the scriptures that individual responsibility is what God truly cares about. It's us. It's our relationship, personal relationship with him. You know, we, we're not like the Catholic church where we're submitted under, you know, a, a bishop or a pope or uh, however the hierarchy is, and then we kind of just submit to what they say. Um, but we all have been saved, if we placed our faith in the Lord, we've all been saved by him, and we all have a personal relationship to him, and we are individually responsible for our devotion, our service, um, and, and our loyalty to the Lord. And if we are shirking that responsibility, then, like the Bible says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump, right? So our responsibility plays into the whole part. So we can, we can complain about or we can decry, which it's right to um, these spiritual leaders like we see today that are failing morally, you know, uh, pornography, adultery, um, child molestation, unfaithfulness with money, uh, neglect of the word of God, strange doctrines being brought in. We see that throughout the church, pastors, leaders, ministry people, um, just being taken down because of sin. But we should never be the people to point the finger and say, if that person had done this, the church wouldn't have been in this place, when really it's all of us that are just as responsible because each of us have a responsibility to know the word of God, to be filled with the spirit, to be walking with him and to be obedient. And when we do that, then we, as that body that's working together, are building his church up, are being faithful, are encouraging one another, exhorting one another, being used by the Holy Spirit to build each other up um, and to hold each other accountable. And then we as a church are functioning the way we're supposed to. 
So we see that now with the people here. Verse 8, it says, Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? I mean, you think of this, uh, it's really this shocking statement that God gives where, where he calls out the people and saying, a man will go and rob his neighbor or rob somebody else, a stranger or whatever else. But a man has the, the gall to go and rob God, the creator of the universe. Uh, and he says, yet you've robbed me. And that's what he says. And then, of course, here's their, their question that the Lord frames. It says, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? How have we robbed you? So again, as we've seen with all these kind of challenges to the Lord's rebuke of the people, rather than than asking sincerely or even uh, agreeing and seeing their spiritual state already, they're either in ignorance or just in complete uh, disregard of the Lord when they say, how have we robbed you? That's the attitude they're saying. How have we robbed you? And, and God says in tithes, and offerings. Now tithes, um, most people know what tithes are. In the Hebrew, it means 10, literally, or a tenth. Um, and it was established in Israel uh, as a law in uh, the commandments of the Lord that we see in the books of the law. It actually was a principle prior to that. If you remember, after uh, Abraham had rescued uh, his <clears throat> nephew Lot and and the people from these kings um, and he had come against them and then taken their spoil as he was returning back to his home he met Melchizedek remember him king of Salem Um, and as he met him he gave him a tithe of all the spoils that he got from rescuing his his nephew um, and defeating these kings and we see that actually plays a part in what we see in the New Testament doctrine uh, where it talks about um, Jesus being a priest after the order of Melchizedek. But tithing, uh, giving a tenth or a portion of an increase of, of your belongings or, or profit or money um, is a principle of, of devotion and thankfulness um, when we see it in the scriptures to the Lord for what he's provided. Um, and we see that established as part of the covenant that God had established with his people. We see conditions that God sets on it. Um, and we see uh, tithing continue on throughout the time of Israel as a nation in, in um, their worship of the Lord. Uh, Leviticus 27, verse 30. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it. It says, All the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. So that was a commandment, plain and simple, God had said. All the tithe, a tenth of the land. So he's not talking about you, you carve up a tenth of your dirt and you bring it to the temple. But he's talking about the fruit, the produce, what comes off of the land. So you, you grow wheat, a tenth of the grain that you get for that year. That is devoted to the Lord. Uh, you grow corn, a tenth of your corn. Uh, if you grow grapes, then a tenth of your grapes, right? That was the principle. Um, and it was to be given to the Lord. It was holy to him. Um, that was not the only tithe. You have tithes that were to be brought in at specific times, uh, specifically to care for strangers and widows and orphans and the needy. Um, there were tithes that were to be brought in um, 
uh, at a periodic time as well, other than just the regular normal tithe. Uh, and it was established as uh, a law to the Lord to give. Um, and we see, uh, turn with me to Numbers 18, the purpose of this, there are two reasons. One purpose that we see is here, Leviticus, uh, I'm sorry, Numbers 18, verse 21. If you remember, the Lord, as the uh, Israelites had gone into the promised land, um, the Lord established areas and territories that were the inheritance of the different tribes. But there was one tribe that he didn't give an area, a plot of land to an inheritance, and that was the tribe of Levi. In Numbers 18, verse 21, it says, Behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tithes in Israel as an inheritance in return for the work which they perform, the work of the tabernacle of meeting. Hereafter, the children of Israel shall not come near the tabernacle of meeting. There will be that separation, lest they bear sin and die. But the Levites shall perform the work of the tabernacle of meeting, and they shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a statute forever, so the statute forever, throughout your generations, that among the children of Israel, they, the Levites, shall have no inheritance. For the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer up as a heave offering to the Lord, I have given to the Levites as an inheritance. Therefore, I have said to them, among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. So the people were to bring in their tithes uh, as a way of providing for the Levites. God had called them to serve him, the tabernacle of meeting and in the temple to serve before him. They weren't to be farmers that were out there farming. They weren't to be devoted to all of those things, but the Lord was going to provide for them as he had called the Levites to serve him in very important ways through the priesthood and through the other tasks that the Levites were given. But he said, I'll provide for you. You're not going to have land. You're not going to have an inheritance, these sorts of things, but I'll provide for you because you're serving me. And that's what the Lord had established. And so for the Israelites, that was the way God had set it up to provide for them. Uh, the other way, which we see, there's not one specific verse we see in here, but we see over and over again that the Lord wanted his people to trust him, to have their, their trust um, and their faith in him to provide for them. That, that's what he had promised them, uh, parts of his covenant, you be faithful to me and I'll, I'll bless you, I'll give you an abundance in the land. If you be obedient to me, I'll provide for you. Um, and that was what the Lord had established and promised them. And so God called them to give a tenth of what they had get, uh, received from him as a, a means of thanksgiving and as a means of faith, saying, Lord, you provided this for me. I'm giving it to you, and you will provide for all my needs. And that, that was the, what this tithe was meant to do. It was to encourage this, this idea of trusting in the Lord of relying on him to provide for them. Um, and, and it was meant to to continue throughout that way. That's what we see even with the Sabbath of the land, where you have the Jubilee years that the Lord established, where there was supposed to be rest in the land from tilling the ground, from working it to produce grain, to produce fruit, to let it grow wild and overgrown so that the land would have rest and be restored. I mean, we know that as a good principle, if you're a farmer, to let 
the land kind of have its nutrients back in the ground, and then it starts to be able to produce again. And, and, and rather than having them all stripped out by constant growing of crops, uh, but for the people that the Lord had called them to is to trust Him. And they did, never did that. They never obeyed that command to have this rest in the land. And that was one of the things that you see as they went into captivity in Babylon. The Lord said it's going to be uh, 70 years. And each year was in return for a jubilee year where they had, or a Sabbath year where they had not let the land rest. And so the Lord's saying, I'm going to give the land rest and you're going into captivity. There were many other reasons, of course, their unfaithfulness and idolatry to the Lord. But again, that was what the Lord requires. You know, in Hebrews, it says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And that's what he desires of us. He wants us to trust him, to have faith in him, to provide. And he sets up these, these things and these means for us, these practical things for us to do to grow in our faith, right? Uh, faith comes by hearing and that by the word of God. Now, it doesn't just mean that you sit there and you're listening to an audio Bible and then all of a sudden your faith is grown. Now, that can help. But it comes by being obedient to what you're hearing in the word of God and the teaching of it. And as you're being obedient and you're trusting the Lord for his promises where he says, don't do that. Okay, I'm not going to do that, Lord, even though I want to or it seems like the right thing for me to do. But I'll be obedient to you or, or to do this. Give of what you have to me in worship of me and thanksgiving and honor and offering to me and I'll provide for your needs. And we do that, and that's how the Lord encourages us and grows us in our faith. So uh, at this point in Malachi, you guys can turn back there if you're not back already. But in Malachi, you know, I believe he was speaking shortly after the people came back in the time of Nehemiah. And as you read in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 13, uh, we see that Nehemiah had gone away after doing this work, helping them to rebuild the walls around the city of Jerusalem. And he went back to serve in the, the court of the king. And as he comes back, he finds that all these reforms, all these things that they had established and done in the land, they, people started to neglect them again, to kind of go back to their old ways. Um, and as he comes back, he finds out that they had not been bringing in their tithes and offerings. And because they had not been bringing in their tithes and offerings there, the Levites and the priests had gone home. So we don't have food. There's nothing to provide for us. I need to go home and, and till my land so that I can provide for my family. So Nehemiah came back. There's no food for the Levites. The worship of the Lord, the service, the work at the temple was not taking place because the people were disobedient to the Lord in bringing in their tithes and offerings. And the Lord takes that very seriously. And that's why he says, you've robbed me. You're robbing me. Uh, you, you may think you're doing what you need to to provide for yourself, to take care of yourself. But all of these things that you have, I've given to you. You think again of the state of the children of Israel. They had just come back from captivity. The Lord said, the land's going to rest. You don't have an inheritance there. Uh, right now you're going back, you're going to captivity. They come back and it was all a work of the Lord. Uh, he had prophesied that Cyrus would decree that they could come back and rebuild the temple, that the remnant of uh, Jews could come back and start to rebuild their homeland. And they're coming back and we see the Lord just providing all of these things and these ways and means for them to be reestablished in the land that he had promised to them. 
Um, but it was all a gift and a promise to, to them. Even in the promise to Abraham. Remember Abraham, he was there and the Lord takes him up after Lot had chosen the better area in the promised land of looking at uh, towards Sodom and Gomorrah and the valley there that was lush and fertile and great for grazing and growing crops. And the Lord takes him up and, and shows him the whole promised land, says, this is all for you, Abraham. And again, did Abraham conquer it? No. Did Abraham uh, do anything to fight for it and deserve it? No. He just was called by God to come. And God said, I'm going to give it to you. And it's going to be yours forever. And so it was all a gift. And the people had neglected this requirement that God had given them. is just be thankful to me. Give to me. Trust me. Provide for these things in the Levites being able to serve me and worship me. They were called after God's name and they were neglecting the worship of the Lord. And in doing that, they were robbing him of what belonged to him. And that's really the attitude we need to have as well. With our lives, with our time, with our money, with our children. Uh, all of these things, right? The scriptures, James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above right that means all these things that we have in our lives they're not ours they're gifts from the lord that he's given to us and that means they belong to him and when we neglect what we need to do with those things we're robbing god of what is his right we're we're rather than being thankful rather than being obedient we're we're uh being greedy covetous people right carnal minded fleshly rather than being thankful and, and and truly giving thanks and giving to the Lord uh, of what he's given to us. Their tithes for Israel were to be a reminder of God's sovereignty as well in providing for them, that he would provide, that he was sovereign over all of what they had, and that he would provide for them. Um, and and uh, there also were, as we see, it says not just tithes, but offerings. Offerings were offered on top of these tithes, these requirements of a tenth, but it was something that you gave uh, in thankfulness or for many different reasons. I mean, you read Leviticus and the other books of the law in the Old Testament, and you see there's offerings for all these different things, and they were things of just thanksgiving to the Lord. Really, it was over the top, saying, thank you, Lord, and give it to you. And what, what I found was neat, and I, it's kind of a side note, but, you know, for these tithes and offerings, they would give and certain things for the tithes. That was, of course, for the Levites, for the priests. But a lot of the offerings, the people would come and they would eat the offerings after it was prepared by the priests or the Levites there in the temple as almost a feast and something to be uh, celebrating and to be happy about is, Lord, you bless me with this overabundance of what you've given me. Now I'm coming, I'm giving it to you, but the Lord still let them partake of it. And, and to eat of it. And, and, and that's what, the, again, the Lord calls us to do, is to be thankful to him, where we, we give to him of the increase of what we have. And we give it to him, and the Lord still blesses us, gives us more in, in abundance, and that's the principle we see here. Uh, so the people, they were at fault individually. They neglected the Lord's commands.
pointing us to the truth of your word and your faithfulness, Lord. We ask this in your name. Amen.